You might be thinking the trial you're enduring is working against you. But Pastor Ed Taylor says God can use it to do a good work in you. When we place our trust in Jesus Christ, he gives us the strength we need to withstand these various stresses as they come upon us daily on top of each other. And thus he gives our lives usefulness, stability, and durability. It's in and by faith in Jesus Christ that we are given the strength to endure the difficulties of life. That, that, that our trials are not wasted, but rather used to make us into the men and women that God desires. This is amazing grace. This is unfailing love. That you would take my place. That you would bear my cross. You Lord, get me out of this. Ever prayed that in the midst of difficulty and pain? I think we've all been there. As we study Romans 5 today, we'll discover a much better prayer would be, Lord, what do you want me to get out of all this? You see, he can use that trial to shape, mold, and develop us into something beautiful. Today on Abounding Grace, that comes to our attention as Pastor Ed Taylor returns to our series, Help for the Troubled Heart. Would you take your Bibles and open them to the book of Romans, chapter 5? Romans, chapter 5, in a Bible study that I've entitled, The Shaping, Molding, and Developing Work of God. How God wants to shape us and mold us and develop us through the trials in life. Because our lives are filled with the irritating times of sorrow and sadness. The, the difficult times of problem and, problems and pain. Sometimes we've brought them on ourselves with bad decisions and sinful decisions. Other times they're the bad, sinful decisions of others. But ultimately pain and sorrow exist because we live in a sin-soaked world. And the root of all pain comes from sin and man's rebellion against God. And of all the things that we know, and all the things that we share in this room, we can know this. You can count on facing trials and difficulties. You can count on it. It's nothing that you're going to be able to avoid or sidestep. There isn't anything you're going to be able to do to escape the reality of pain and suffering in this world. And you say, well, wait a minute, Ed. What do you mean? Did you say I can count on it? I mean, is that like I'm going to face these things? Isn't it now that I'm a Christian, I'm a believer, I'm not going to be able to, 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 to have a pass on some of these things? And the answer is no. No, and I'm sorry that no one told you when you were saved, and when you were born again, that life would be difficult. In some cases, much more difficult than they were when you were not saved. Jesus told us in Matthew chapter 7, verse 24, he, gave, he ended his, what's known as the Sermon on the Mount, he ended his sermon with an illustration of two guys that build houses. One guy built a house on solid rock, the other one built on sand. But neither one of them knew the foundation of their homes until what? The storms came. And the Bible says that storms came and beat on those houses. And, and it was through the storm that the foundation of their life was revealed. 
It was Jesus himself that taught us in John chapter 16. He said, in this world you will have tribulation. He warned us. And yet he says, but be of good cheer because I've overcome the world. And so there is a difference in trials between the believer and the unbeliever, but we both and all face them. James taught us in James chapter 1, verse 2, he said to, be, to count it all joy when we fall into various trials. Because we will. You know, it reminded me of things that I read on the building of the Golden Gate Bridge. It's an engineering marvel. They decided to build the bridge right over the San Andreas earthquake fault line. And so the engineers had to be very careful to design this in a way to survive and preserve life. So they engineered it to sway like 20 feet either way at its center. They put the land acres down deep into the bedrock and, sl- and swung down that flexible cable system so that the bridge would be able to withstand all that it would face. Engineers had to take into account what they call the load systems, how it would be affected. They would have to account for three different types of load or stress that would come upon the bridge. There was the dead load, the live load, and the wind load. The dead load was the weight of the bridge itself. The live load was the weight of the daily traffic that the bridge must carry. And so the live load was then put upon the dead load. And then finally they needed to engineer it for the wind load, which would be the pressure that the storms, when storms would come, you had the weight of the bridge, everybody on the bridge, and then being able to withstand the storms that would come to that bridge so that it would keep standing and preserve life. And someone once compared it to our lives, and I thought it was a great comparison. The author wrote, In our lives, we need bracings, which make it possible to carry the dead load of self, the live load of daily living, and the wind load of emergencies and surprise situations. When we place our trust in Jesus Christ, He gives us the strength we need to withstand these various stresses as they come upon us daily on top of each other. And thus he gives our lives usefulness, stability, and durability. It's in and by faith in Jesus Christ that we are given the strength to endure the difficulties of life. That that, that our trials are not wasted, but rather used to make us into the men and women that God desires. Now I know any time we talk about trials and testings, It's easy for some of you listening in, whether you're here now or you're listening live on the internet or on the radio right now, you you have a habit. You have a habit when you are in a Bible study and you don't like what's being said and, and you don't like the message that's being conveyed. So here's the habit that maybe you're familiar with, some of you. The habit is this. When we're talking about trials and testings, it's easy for you just to dismiss the Bible study and make the Bible study some issue between you and the speaker. Like you listening to me right now, 
You're you're having a hard time with the topic, and we haven't even jumped into the text yet. And and what's happening in your mind is going, you're, you're looking at me and you're saying, who are you to speak into my life? What do you know about trials? And what have you gone through? And what have you faced? You know, you don't understand what I'm going through. You don't feel what I'm feeling. You don't know what I go home to and... And that would be a great mistake for you to make if you make a Bible study something between you and me. Because when we gather together, it's not, because, it's not between you and me, it's between you and God. It's not that I have to experience every single thing that you've experienced in order to point you to Jesus Christ. I don't. And it's not that I have to experience some huge, heavy trial in my life in order to gain some type of credibility in your life for you to hear me, because I don't. Although if we had more time, and for a different time and a different Bible study, I certainly could share the difficulties of my life. But even if I did, the credibility of God's Word doesn't come from me and my life. It comes from Him. He is true and trustworthy. And I have to say, if you're feeling that, I do want to agree with you. I don't understand what you're going through. I don't fully understand what you face every day. I don't feel what you're feeling. I'm not able to to fully appreciate how hard life is for you right now. There is truth to that. But I have the confidence of the presence of God in my life to know that I don't have to feel or understand the things that you're going through in order for me to point you to the one who does, who loves you and cares for you. And so it's a battle, isn't it? It's a battle to trust God in the midst of difficulties. It's hard. It's hard to trust God when things don't end up the way that you want, and then when, when they don't end up the way you want, and it's super painful. It's hard. And yet God is able to enter into even the most difficult, hard situations in our lives and speak healing and hope and comfort. Do you know that the things that you're going through right now, according to the Bible in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, the Bible says that He is the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our tribulations. Why? Well, not only to receive comfort ourselves, but so that we might be able to comfort others with the comfort that we've received. God wants us as a family and as a body of believers to serve and help one another. But ultimately, true comfort and healing comes from God alone. And so please don't make the mistake of making a Bible study some issue where you're going to argue with the pastor or or resist the, the work of the Holy Spirit. It's not between you and me. It's between you and God. And He loves you and He cares for you. Sent His own Son, Jesus Christ, to die for you to prove His love for you. And if you're a believer in Jesus Christ today, you need to know that God is using the trials in your life to develop you and to shape you and to mold you in ways that wouldn't happen any other way. So notice with me in verse 1 of chapter 5 in Romans, Paul is writing to the believers in Rome 
and, and he says something glorious. He's given to these high-level doctrine, just, just beautiful, uh, laying out some of the most beautiful doctrines in all the Bible, so much so that it took us three years to study through the book of Romans. Such a glorious time of Bible study. But then there's these insights of his personal relationship with the Lord. And he says, therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom also we have access by faith into this grace in which we stand and rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. This is a pinnacle in Romans, one of many. And, and Paul is just telling us how good it is to know Jesus Christ. You have peace with God, no longer at war with God. Because of your faith in Jesus, he's now your friend and you're his servant. You have access to God. Imagine that. The creator of the universe has given you access to him by relationship. Not through a bunch of religious rituals and all the things you need to do that maybe, just maybe you might get there, but rather full and open access through the blood of Jesus Christ. Amazing. Just, just like with my kids growing up. I have an office at home and I'm studying and, I'm, and I have an office here anywhere I am. Even if they needed something from me in this very second, they have access to me. I'll stop everything for my kids. Well, imagine that what you would do for your kids, how much more God does for you. That at any moment you have access. Any moment. No longer fighting in God. You, not only that, he says you have hope. You have hope in the glory of God. No longer living a hopeless existence, you realize that this world is not all there is. Not only that, he says you can stand in grace. You have a new firm footing. And it's not what, what you have done, but the footing of your life is all that God has done for you. These are just amazing, wonderful. These are things you take to the spiritual bank and you live your life on. These few verses alone can transform your life. And then he writes, and not only that, and you go, what else, Paul? What else? Not only that, access and peace and hope and grace. And not only that, but we also glory in our tribulations. And then you say, I don't think so, Paul. I don't think so. And, and I'll tell you, you know, just between you and me, don't let it get out of this room, but just between you and me, I'm not there yet. I'm not there. There's a, there's, there's a little bit in me that I, 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 I understand the Bible theologically, God, and I accept your love, but glory in my tribulations, I'm not there. My present trial and all the drama surrounding my, I'm not there. Now, I do want to say, though, looking back, how many of you have ever been in a trial? Put your hands up. Let's keep them up, okay? There's two questions. How many of you can look back on your life and see how God used it in the past? How many? Okay, look around. Just look around. So there are people, and I, my hand's up as well. Look, there are people. We could look back. You can put them down. You, you could look back and go, man, I hated it. I didn't want it. But now a few years have passed. You go, oh, man. Wow, God, you really used that. You, you, I can see the fruit of it. And, and if we could see it in the past, then we know that God's going to do that work in the future. But, man, I'm not there. Like, glory in my tribulations. That's a heavy place to be. And yet Paul's saying it's a possible place to be. We glory just as much as we're happy about hope and access and grace and forgiveness and freedom and relationship. Paul says you can also, you're going to have the same attitude toward trials. And he gives us a few reasons. 
He gives us a few reasons of why. Because of the work that trials do in our lives. It it says, notice, we glory in our tribulations because we know that tribulation produces. Tribulation produces. Trials produce. If you'd like to write in your Bibles in verse 3, you can circle the word tribulations. You could write next to it, crushings. That's really the word here, crushings. We get the picture of the ancient olive press, which would be a vat with a large stone that they would take and they would put in uh, the olives and then they would just move it around, move it around, move it around, crushing it. The first press, the second press, the third press, they, until they got every single ounce of oil out of the olive. It was just pressed and pressed and pressed. And, and when we, we take our tour to Israel, one of the stops that we have in Nazareth is they show you the actual working of an ancient press and, and the smells and, and the sounds of the crushing. Man, it's hard to, it's hard to think that God is going to bring us to a place of glory in our tribulations, but he is the crushings of life. They're hard. They're difficult. What exactly is God extracting from our lives through the pain, through the difficulties? You know, why would we even glory in that? Well, listen, it's because in those times that we realize that we can do nothing, that our lives are out of our hands. You see, here's the thing. God brings us to a place through our circumstances, ours or others, he brings us to a place where we cry out. We just, man, I, there's nothing I can do. Because here's the thing. If, if you see, you see, if, if I can get out of it, then you know what I'm going to do? If I can work my way out of it, if I can wiggle my way out of it, if I can manipulate my way out of it, you know, I'll try. I'll try to get out as fast as I can. My, my flesh and your flesh so much wants to be free from pain. Who doesn't? And so we'll do what we can to avoid it at all costs. But when trials come, when I can't do a thing about it, when a crushing blow comes my way where I can do nothing, then I cry out. I begin to come back to a place of faith and trust. It's interesting because that's where Paul is. I glory in it because I know that God's drawing me to himself. I know that he's producing in me that things are changing in my life. And here are the things that are added to my life. This is what trials will produce in your life as you cooperate with your father. Number one, it says that tribulation, verse three, produces perseverance. Those of you that have been in our study series for this season, you know this is a familiar word it's the English, we also translate this word endurance, and it's the Greek word, many different translations, but it's the Greek word hupomone. It means to bear up under the load. Remember we learned that picture of hupomone, of a tree up on the top of a hill, and it's standing strong, and the winds and the storm comes, and the tree bends and it bows, but when the storm passes, it stands straight again. Hupomone. That's being added into your life and mind through the trial in my life. That the attitude of wanting to give up and wanting to throw in the towel and wanting to run away is common. And yet, in God's hands, He builds in you the willingness and the ability to not quit. And you bear up under. This, is, this kind of perseverance comes to us, you know, when you, it, it's like when you compare your trials with other people and you, maybe you're watching the video today and you go, man, 
you're just kind of thinking this, which is normal. And you think something like this. I don't think I could ever survive what they went through. And listen, you're not in their situation yet. So you don't have the strength that's needed to survive. That's why you feel that way. And neither did they when it happened. But when it did happen, God was there to give them the strength for the moment, that special anointing of God's grace to strengthen them. And now we know that whatever God would lead us and allow into our lives, we're going to have the strength to endure. Why? Because God uses the very trial to produce it in your life. It wasn't there before. It's going to be there right when you need it. Perfect supply. Just like manna. You just have enough for the day. You have enough for the moment because of God's faithfulness. Number two, not only does tribulation produce perseverance, but secondly, perseverance, verse 4, produces character. Character, that's the inward part of you. The inward part, character. The Old King James translates this experience, and the New American Standard translates this proven character. You see, trials work for the believer, not against us. And God is developing in us the very character of Jesus Christ through the pains. Because remember, lest we forget, the life of Jesus was filled with pain and trials, including the cross. All the interpersonal things, betrayal, hurt, pain, all of it. The Bible says this in Isaiah 53.3, that Jesus is despised and rejected by men. A man of sorrows, acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised and we did not esteem him. God is developing character in us. Which reminded me of, you know, some false teaching that is in the church world today. And it's the idea that in some circles of Christianity today, when men and women are taught that when tough times come, you should just rebuke the devil. That's just rebuke the devil. It's the devil's fault. It's the devil's fault. So, you know, the problem you're going through, you don't have enough faith. You don't give a much. You don't give as much as you should. You're not a good little Christian. So just rebuke the devil because the devil's in everything. He's behind the bush. He's in the sink. He's in your socks. And your whole problem is you don't rebuke the devil enough. So if you just start rebuking the devil, if you just had more faith, if you just gave a little bit more and did a few more good works, then you wouldn't face that thing. That is nonsense. That is not the heart. Do you really think God is like that? That, that God, he isn't going to heal you. He doesn't, he's not going to help you because you're, you're not doing enough for him. That's not what the Bible teaches. The Bible teaches that God has done everything for us and we owe him our lives. We owe him our lives. I, I always trip on in this. I, I just, I want to give you some practical, because I, I look through TV sometimes and I come across these, and you know, they're looking right in the camera, pointing at me. You don't have enough faith. Just give to this, sow seeds. You know, if you had more faith, you wouldn't be sick. Just sow into your heal, sow into your healing. And the guy, the dude's looking at me in the camera with glasses on. Does anybody get the irony in that? It's like, hey, bro, why don't you have a little more faith for your eyes? You with me? Whatever you hear, you want to line up with the scriptures. Here's a guy putting some heavy trip on you when all the while God wants to remove that heaviness. Isn't that the invitation of Jesus? Come to me that you that are weary and heavy laden 
and I'll give you rest. He didn't say go to the church to find rest. He didn't say run to your friends to find rest. He didn't say a thousand other things that we substitute for a deep, personal, abiding relationship with Jesus who loves you and gave himself for you. Character. Becoming more and more like Jesus through the trial. We're noticing what trials produce in our lives, and character is just part of it. We'll have the rest of this message from Ed Taylor for you next time on Abounding Grace. We're in a series called Help for the Troubled Heart, and I'd imagine this is just what many of you are needing to hear right now as you're in the midst of a difficult season of life. If you'd like to request this entire series or today's study alone, please call 877-30-GRACE. You can also access the studies online at helpforthetroubledheart.com. I'm happy to say this entire series, Help for the Troubled Heart, is available to you on a customized USB thumb drive. We're making it available to our listeners for a limited time for a donation of $25 or more. Maybe you can think of someone you'd like to give this to. Order it today by calling 877-30-GRACE. That's 877-30-GRACE. Thanks for your generous gifts to support Abounding Grace. Your donation will serve to help us bring these daily studies to your station and many others like it every day. Call us at 877-30-GRACE or donate online at calvaryaurora.org. If your heart is troubled today and you'd like someone to pray for you, we'd invite you to send in your requests for prayer at calvaryaurora.org. Glad you've taken time out for our study. We'll bring you more help for the troubled heart from Pastor Ed Taylor next time on Abounding Grace. This is amazing grace. This is unfailing love. That you would take my place. Abounding Grace is brought to you by Calvary Chapel, Aurora.